and welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Steph Fairbairn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. This episode, I'm joined by Sarah Gonzalez. I spoke to Sarah at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia earlier this year. Sarah teaches maths and is head coach of the girls' soccer team at Shawnee Mission West High School in Kansas. It's the high school that she went to. It's a really nice reminder for us as coaches that so many of our players might go on to have different pathways in the game. I caught up with her to talk a bit more about that, what it's like coaching at the school you went to, why mentorship is so important to her, and the struggles she's faced over the course of her coaching career. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. No, we're excited to have you. I knew. I know you've just flown into the convention. <laughs> it's been a day. It's yeah, been a day. just landed a couple of hours ago. Um, is this your first convention? What number is it? What do you get out of coming to these conventions? No, this is probably up to my eighth or ninth convention and stuff. Um, my mentor, Mark Sheldon, was very big on coming to the convention when I was a young coach. Um, I've coached for 16 years now. So um, as a head coach, uh, 20 is total coach. So 20 years ago, he always pushed coming to the convention and just opened your eyes to so much. You've kind of cheated on my challenge because you've, you've given me a bit of info about yourself. I apologize. <laughs> in under a minute, can you kind of summarize for us who you are as a coach and a bit about your journey? Um, I like to give back to soccer because it gave me so much. It taught me how to be as a leader, taught me how to be as a good person on and off the field. So I try to push that for my soccer players, be good in school, work hard, do the best they can and work hard in the field, but also be good people. Uh Is that then, I suppose, your definition of what coaching is and should be? Guidance, I think, is a big thing with coaches, you know, not fully tell them how to do it, but guide them and then let them be, see how they react and to positives and negatives as well. So you coach at the high school you went to. I do, yes. Tell us, first of all, how that came about, how you looped background there. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure if, you know, the European schools do this, but in high schools, they, your senior year, you have write down where you see yourself in five years. And I said I wanted to coach and teach math at the high school that I went to and stuff. And I'm one of those, if I set a goal, I tried to achieve it and stuff. So I went on to play soccer at the University of Kansas, dreamed of playing there. That was my dream as a little kid to play soccer there, and then had the opportunity uh, to be a JV coach. So I student taught there, coached JV, and then uh, there was a job opening for math, and I've been there ever since. This is my 18th year teaching math as well. Wow. Experience now, I guess. (laughs) What do you prefer, math or soccer? Oh, I love them both. That's why I work with both. I just am an energetic person, very positive in the classroom. Uh, you know, with, with soccer, I get the, or excuse me, with math, I get the, I, I don't like math. I'm like, you're going to like this class. And they usually do. They work hard, too. So, so actually, would you say you have a, a similar approach in, in both then in terms of engaging students yeah. and players? Very welcoming. I mean, they know that they need to work hard. They know that uh, they're going to be pushed to the limits, but they also know that it's going to help them, and I'm also there to support them as well. One of my soccer players called me a teddy bear with armor type of thing that I'm tough on the outside but on the inside I really have a big heart for all my players and how has the girls soccer provision changed from when you went to the school to what it is now when I started playing soccer um, the fields were like an hour away and horrible fields too slanted and muddy and or not mowed at all 
Um, and then whenever you told people, oh, I'm going to go play soccer, they kind of gave you a look because you know, in the U.S. and Kansas, it wasn't quite big then and stuff. And now it's huge. There's so many fields everywhere. All kids have all opportunities to play, you know, push for a lot of the female sports, which is amazing. I wish I had all the opportunities that they did, but I'm glad that I was able to at least provide a push for some of them as well. And you spoke about, I suppose, pushing your players, and they know it's going to be hard, but they're going to get a lot out of it. Mm -hmm. Is a large part of that making sure you create a safe space for them? And if so, how do you go about doing that? Being consistent, being reliable, being there, I think is big with the girls. They know that you're there, whether it's good or bad. Um, The teachers at our school also know that if there's an issue with a soccer player, they just got to let me know, and it will usually be taken care of right away. Um, But I'm also willing to listen to the girls. I can read their body language. I can read their uh, personalities, and I'll pull them aside and be like, what's going on? You know, there's something more going on here. Usually I'm right. I have a little office area. Um, and the girls call that the crying room sometimes. They're like, Coach, can we go talk in the office? And I'm like, okay. And usually they're going to cry because they need to vent something, release something. They know I'm willing to listen to and stuff. So just been being there good and the bad, I think. And over the course of, was it 18 years? Yeah. So, yeah. How have you seen the player change and therefore how you have to support the player change? And do you think it's important that we as coaches stay on top of who kids are in the modern day and how we work with them you know when I first started coaching you were able to just run them and that taught them the lesson you know run them run them run them and they'd learn the lesson and that's not it you can still have physical exercises that motivate them I think but you have to find other ways you have to find ways of talking to them you have to read the player Uh, one of my favorite players I ever coached I was just harping at her yelling at her about something and I didn't read what was going on. And later she pulled me aside and she goes, Coach, I just found out my dad was diagnosed with cancer. That's why I'm... And I will always take that lesson to heart and remember that and to make sure I check on the player first because they're a person first and then they're a player and make sure that they are okay. And I think people need to adapt to that as well. Like not just focusing on how they are at soccer, but how they're doing overall, especially with COVID, especially with mental health, all of that. We need to make sure that they are overall doing well. The example you've just given, I think, is a really good one of taking something, not beating yourself up about it and saying, here's my lesson. Do you think it's important for coaches to to be able to do that? Because really, if we took everything to heart, we'd be, you know, it'd be really difficult. So, yeah, is that important? Yes. I mean, you know, a big reason why I come to the convention is I learn something new every time. I might not go always to all of the big events that they have. I might go to more of the classroom events now because I take more into that. But I always grow every time here I've grown and with my goods and my bads that have happened throughout my seasons I always take a mental lesson from it and see how I can learn from it and grow from it I'm I'm always growing to become a better coach that's what I always want to do also in the classroom as well tell us then some of the challenges you you faced as a coach I suppose over the course of your of your coaching career I mean I'm just gonna lay it out there I'm a, a gay Hispanic female so with all three of those I have faced negatives but I've also not let them pushed me away I've let them motivate me I've had a lot of support from female and a lot of support from male coaches that knew that female coaches were going to be a growing you know program and stuff and they helped guide with like Mark Sheldon Jason Pendleton Shore Hugh Williams all of those mentors for me that believed in me and knew I could continue growing my voice and I just made sure to help with that with other female coaches that are scared to show their voice 
The first varsity game I coached, I had an assistant who was a man, and the referee didn't know me, and they walked right by me and introduced themselves to the male assistant and said, hey, coach, can we get your roster? And he goes, why don't you ask the varsity coach? And I'm just waving, and he kind of was in shock, the ref was. Like, that's the coach? Yeah, I'm the coach and stuff. Now a lot of the refs know me a lot more and don't do that anymore, but that could have scared me, but it more motivated me to make sure that they remembered me. I had a lot of coaches that didn't remember my name, just was that girl coach and stuff. Now they know my name and stuff. So just making sure that I didn't give up on that. But also didn't handle it in a negative way. Didn't yell, didn't give them, you know, something that they could use against me as well. I think as well, you you know, it's obviously really important we have more representation, but what you just said there, allies mm, as well. Yes, so, so true. What would you be saying to men, straight people, white people that want to be better allies? Just be there for them, support them, don't challenge them. Um, also on the other side, not necessarily allies, but those who are still trying to find their voice before coming out of the closet, I hid my, my now wife. I hid that part of my life. And then I decided it, it was not fair to the woman that I was in love with. I found out the parents knew anyways. They were just waiting for me to finally come out and stuff. But I grew as a person, and I grew as a better coach when they knew me. And having the support of allies telling me, Coach, it's okay to come out. It's okay for them to know you. They might not agree with it, but they will accept you. That whole lesson was a foundation for me to have the confidence. And now my girls know my three kids and they love them. They think they're great and stuff. They've offered to babysit. I don't trust them quite yet to babysit. <laughs> but uh, they've offered because they see the happiness outside of soccer that I have. And they see me. Mm-hmm. Touching on your three kids, do you hope they get into soccer? I want them to do whatever they can that makes them happy. I want them to be involved. Um, my soccer, or my niece, my daughter, my oldest one, I have a three-year-old. She did happy feet for the first time. She tried. We'll just say that. She tried. <laughs> Um, and then immediately went home and put on an Elsa dress. So, you know, we're, we're teeter-tottering on that, but I just want whatever she can do to be involved and be happy. I'll be there to support her. And my, I have twins as well, one-year-old twins. What has becoming a parent taught you that you've then applied to your coaching? It has made me more understanding of the outside stuff, you know. Sometimes my girls have to miss for a family reason. I'm pretty supportive of it, but understanding that it is tough for the girls to come tell a coach that you know like coach i've got a misrelease like it's not their fault that they have a family reunion that their parents are telling them and stuff um just opening the eyes of that i would say some made me more welcoming as a coach for parents to come talk to but i think that the parents have seen me more of a ally with them as well you know i'm a parent as well. i'm also facing hardships of raising kids as well so maybe they see me in a different light too so in one of our publications, we did a whole issue on, I'll say moms to try and be American, but, but, <laughs> cute. moms who coach and, uh-huh. and all of the struggles around, yeah. around that. Do you think the structure is, I don't want to lead you into this, but good. Do, do you think the structure is set up for parents to also have successful careers or do we need to do more to support particularly moms who work and have children? I mean, I think it's tough because a lot of times women are supposed to take that you know, stance. They're the ones supposed to take care of the kids. The man works if it's that relationship. I'm in a same-sex relationship. My wife is a very successful engineer. She's actually a, a, one of the lead engineers on the Kansas City Current Stadium. Nice. So, like, she's very successful with that. 
So she has her priorities. So we are both in successful programs where not many females are in, and we have had to really communicate who can take the kids when. I'm not, I don't want to say take the kids, but who can, I don't know, take more of the time with the kids and stuff so the other can focus on their job a little bit more, and then we flip-flop. I am very fortunate that I have a spouse that supports that, who sees how much I love coaching and wants our children to see a woman in leadership there. I feel uh, bad for the ones that don't have that, and I wish that other partners and spouses don't just assume that the woman should stop because there's already enough guilt I have for not being there with my kids all the time during soccer season, missing the, the times at bed and stuff, uh, saying goodnight to them, giving them their hugs. I already have that guilt. I don't need added pressure. I need someone to say, it's okay, we got them. You'll see them soon. And I wish more people did that. And I suppose how awesome is it that they, like you say, they see their mom doing this and living what she loves and they, they see that example from you. Well, and um, <clears throat> the one-year-olds haven't seen it yet, maybe next year and stuff, but the three-year-old loves and cheers and I just got done harping on the girls because you know, we had, had a breakdown in defense and I'm yelling at them and all of a sudden I hear, go mama! And the girls are like trying not to laugh. I'm like, uh, oh, no credibility! Yeah, and then like, <laughs> there's the teddy bear with armor that I'm so <laughs> tough and then it's gone very quickly when my daughter's cheering me on and she's so sweet, so it's fun. I want to touch a bit on mentorship, and you, yeah. you referenced it. Yeah. I suppose, why is mentorship so important to you when you've, when you've had it and also when you've been a mentor? They were there for me to ask questions, to bounce ideas from, to, to vent, you know, to share the concerns, the hardships that I had, and listen and give guidance or just listen, you know. A lot of times you just need someone to listen to and say, I've been there, I know what you're saying, stuff. So I make sure that when a new female coach or a young coach is coming in uh, to the league, you know, to be welcoming. Hey, let me know if you need anything. Is it can be tough. A lot of ego sometimes getting to play with some of them. Uh, one of my former players is a coach who coaches against me and unfortunately beat me last season. Congratulations <laughs> to her. But just, you know, being there to talk things out and stuff, you know, make sure that she is being heard and, and continue the growth and stuff. But just seeing someone who's went through it and been successful, you know, just is so nice that there is success with this from a female. And what are some of the, I suppose, common challenges you you see with you know new female coaches or, or younger coaches that you you try and support them through? You know, unfortunately, parents <clears throat> excuse me feel that they can run them off easier. If it's a younger female coach, they feel that if their daughter or child is not getting played, that they can just push the girl out. A lot of times, they feel with that. Unfortunately, I've seen several female coaches leave because. They don't feel confident in dealing with the parents, which is unfortunate because maybe that means admin, their AD is not supporting them. So I'm very I'm lucky I have an AD that does support me if I have uh, a challenge from a parent or something like that. Um, you know, then the mom route, you know, sometimes they feel that they need to stop to be a mom, which is great, you know, such a beautiful thing. But that, that guilt I've seen a lot. Um, and just not being welcomed by their players. A lot of players hadn't played for female coaches and stuff. I don't know how many times my players came in and said, you're the first female coach I've had. I'm like, wow, still in this day, you know, it's still a growing thing, which I love that there's more females out there coaching that have to continue increasing that. Just picking up on your parent point, what's some of your advice around dealing with parents? Make sure you have someone there to be with you that's supportive, maybe not on your side, but, you know, not just meeting with them alone. Listen to them. 
allow them to say what's wrong and then maybe you can figure out a way. Uh, I had a very angry parent that I listened to him and had my AD there, had my assistant principal there. And once I heard them, we actually found it was a miscommunication from their daughter. That was what the big issue is. I was like, but we talked about this. Then it was fixed, like it was fine. But it took us listening to each other instead of trying to do it through email. Instead of trying to do it through phone calls, face-to-face is a lot easier with the player there as well. Okay, I have a few questions okay. that are, I suppose, lead on from that. A bit got of it. coaching advice during okay. all your experience. So, we've got a brand new coach who is going to take their first ever training session tomorrow. Wow. What's your advice for them? Be you. You know, just don't try to hide your personality. Don't try to be something else. Just be who you are when you're in those sessions and stuff. Nice. A volunteer or a part-time coach that is so pushed for time but really wants to deliver the best for their players... What can they do to do that? You mean like as a practice or? I suppose, yeah. I mean, session design is so challenging for people that have pushed for time. So, yeah, let's go with that. You know, try. It doesn't always have to be picture perfect in the lessons. Focus on a small topic and build off of that. And, you know, you can always reuse some games and just adapt to them. But don't try to make everything perfect and brand new. Reuse and stuff too. Just change little fixes and those. Added question then, how much stuff do you reuse and just tweak as you go or do you still create new sessions to this day? I still create, it's because every year my team changes so I can't use the same, I mean I can use the same theme but maybe not how we approach it, maybe we have a really good backline that year and we don't need to focus on that part. And then the next year I graduated two center backs and so we need to go over the back line more, you know. So just how we maybe begin into it, it's kind of what I change and stuff. And the numbers too or injuries. I feel with high school, it's such a fast season that I'd love to reuse. But, I mean, I have my books that I've kept, and I'll look at them again and the layouts and everything. And But with being a growing coach, I don't just say this was October 2nd practice. I look at them like, okay, I'm going to make something off of that. Awesome. Uh, coach that's stuck in a rut, they feel like they're delivering the same stuff. They don't know if it's having an impact. Starting to feel like they don't enjoy the game anymore. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? I've seen that so much the last few years. Talk with other coaches. Come to the convention. One, I think that's huge. Come to the convention. Um, But uh, because you always get your eyes open to something. But talk to other coaches that are, that you respect, that are still having success and that you feel comfortable in saying that. Maybe they can bounce some ideas with you and stuff. Okay, final question then. Let's go over your latest season. Okay. What's one thing that's kept you up at night about coaching? I'm, you know, it's hard. I don't really go off of the last season and see what I could have done differently. I start looking at what's coming this season, and I start planning out how I think it's going to lay out, who's going to go where and all that stuff. It drives my wife crazy. Like, two weeks after the season ends, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking this. And she goes, seriously, it's been two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to start planning, even though we haven't had any sessions, even though we, you know, we don't see each other for months at a time. I'm always planning and trying to make sure what, you know, the culture is, even though it's kind of like a vague word, but... How I want the atmosphere to be with me. I want the atmosphere to be with them. Um, I was a different coach last year. I did not get much sleep because of the one-year-old twins. They were just a few months old and probably not my best coaching. So I'm excited to have sleep this year and uh, have a little bit more energy coming to it as well. Awesome. Well, we wish you the best of luck with it. Thank and you. thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I wish you luck the rest of the couple of days here. That was the voice of Sarah Gonzalez. Thanks to Sarah for her time. And thanks to you for listening to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. For more from us, join us again next time 
or visit soccercoachweekly.net for practice plans, advice, interviews, and much more. I'm Steph Fairbairn. See you again soon.